Isaiah's New Stand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is September the 3rd, 2022. It is a Saturday. Hopefully you're having a good one by the time this reaches your ears. Uh, I myself have been having, it's been a bittersweet week. Yes, yes. Actually, as I as I ruminate, as I sit in my room and think, it's it's been a pretty deep one. We've got a lot of stuff happening for me. Um, because we can do a little quick summary and then we'll get into some food, of course. I don't like to give you that when I can. But I had some car issues. There are pending car issues that I've kind of known about. They've been kind of lingering on me. And over the weekend, I'm like, I got to bite the bullet here. I got enough money to do it, I think, I hope, fingers crossed. And I was like, let me just go get my, my brakes fixed. So I was able to get, like, you know, the front half fixed, front end fixed, whatever. That felt good. Then I'm driving my car to work the next day, and I noticed there's, like, smoke coming out of my hood. And I'm like, what? What's happening? And I know in my head, I'm instantly having like a flash and I already have, I'm smelling too, like the sweet, like smoke fume thing. I'm like, uh oh, I know what that is. That's a leak. That's a coolant leak. And so I'm immediately thinking it's that. I'm also like confused too, because I'm like, maybe it's like my brakes. I don't understand. This is so weird. This is so odd. And I'm freaking out. I'm worrying. And I check, I don't see any visible leak, uh, which doesn't really help me or anything like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Oh no, oh no, oh no. And I'm always a wreck when I have to deal with car problems. And, you know, pun intended, I guess. I, I intend all of them when I say them. But essentially, I, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know the problem. So I'm troubleshooting with all my little friends. I'm talking to my little mechanic people like they're sages. And, you know, they're just telling me what they can. Uh, luckily, with some troubleshooting, though, I figured out that the culprit was, I guess, the coolant cap was not closed all the way initially. And I think that's what was causing it. So I made the same mistake after I had checked. And then I checked again. And I was like, oh, this fastens. Like, not just click you gotta click it in like click snap type beat so it's like all right okay maybe it's that and so far so good so you know keep praying for me and of course there, there's always more problems to be had of course for sure but um you know i'm trying to stay on the road <laughs> it's definitely a part of survival um let's see what else happened i guess we can get to some good stuff yeah um i finished the stand finished that book about that dark dude whatever no it was it's pretty good um, like I said before, I think this is going to be the, f- the last Stephen King book I read. I've read a grand sum total of two. There was like a little bio, what was it, a bi- biography, autobiography type beat, uh, slash like writing tutorial he did. I liked that. It was interesting. It was fine. But then actually reading his work, like, you know, his normal novel type thing, this was something I was, like, really interested in. I'm like, this is if... I'm not a guy who likes to be spooked out, but I do like post-apocalyptic stuff. I'm kind of into that. That's interesting to me. So, picked up this book. Overall, I liked the sci-fi meets supernatural. It took a little bit for me to get used to the supernatural part of it because I'm like, you did such a good job doing a sci-fi thing. And I'm like, why can't we just have that? Why do we have to make this, like, this whole weird spiritual good and evil stuff and i don't want to get into spoilers even though i mean this book has been around for a long time you could have been read it and 
they had a shitty miniseries. I don't think that they even finished. Maybe they did. It doesn't look watchable to me, so I'm not going to touch it. But overall, enjoy the book. I think my biggest hang-up, what I said before when I mentioned the book, was he just loved saying the N-word. He just loved it, loved it. He was moving at about an hour or so clip as I'm, like, you know, listening along this audible. And I'm like, man, like, that's so crazy. That's so unnecessary. It was so ridiculous. And I and I get it. Like, people are going to claim satire. They're going to claim, um, hey, I want to make the book feel authentic. I want the dialogue to feel real. I want the thoughts to feel sculpted like a real person of this time or era. And I'm like, bro, it's the late 80s, early 90s. And, and honestly, you can keep making that trope as long as you want because racism is always going to be a thing. But it just felt so specific to black people. And it felt like the only time he used black people were to make them like look, look savage or to make them look like some kind of mystical, magical being. Like the one main black person they use in the, the book. So I just did not really vibe with that i feel like oh an average white person who reads this book is gonna be like oh yeah it's fine cool another banger good good job secret but i'm like if this is what the green mile is or whatever the other books he's made or touched or whatever i'm i'm good i'm good on it i'm good love um but yeah overall very interesting i enjoyed it um it was a read (laughs) let's see and then last on the personal stuff food corner I think, honestly, it's the most fulfilling thing I enjoy doing and talking about on the podcast. Let's see. I got a couple of meals that are highlights, so we'll do the two big ones. One was I went to Skyline, and I got three cheese conies, and I got a bowl of chili, and what else did I get? Oh, and I got a raspberry cheesecake, and the cheesecake was nice. It had, like, a little chocolate... Uh, crust so that was nice I will say I'm not a big raspberry guy but it was still pretty good I think artificial raspberry flavoring is a little bit easier for me to take which I know maybe sounds weird but I kind of have this thing where like I don't like real raspberries kind of like fake raspberries I like real bananas don't really like fake bananas uh let's see what else is there orange is good all the way fake or real I love that flavor love that and I mean I guess you can kind of just go on like I don't like fake grape love real grapes so there you go watermelons weirdly weird i guess i don't really love watermelon but fake watermelon is kind of my thing uh my job just got a sour patch watermelons at like the little vending thing and i'm like oh yeah let's go (laughs) ate those up that was nice let's see second meal i wound up just doing a hodgepodge like scram meal what have you i made like pf changs in a bag but then I also made popcorn chicken and I made like this little sauce that I just kind of whipped up and it was like spicy and I had a little honey in it too. So it was a little sweet. I made that, put that in the chicken lo mein that I got from like this little PF chain in the bag. And then I also made a cheeseburger and two hot dogs. And my gosh, my golly. I love little food mashups like that. I just, mm, 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 mm. and I mean, obviously I paid for it all morning today, but um, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to make that mistake again. Okay. All right. Um, But yeah, that's about it for me. That's my personal news corner. We can get into the real news though. What's going on in the world a little bit here. 
I have um, some Ukraine Russian news I wanted to talk about. Get into that for starters. The first two articles I got were from Al Jazeera. Let's see. The um, I guess the big update, the big conversation has been about Zaporizhia, which is the power plant, nuclear power plant. And, you know, lots been going on there. They actually were able to get UN, like, officials involved. And it's like the nu- UN nuclear watchdog team. So essentially they were able to come in and it took a lot of, like, red tape cutting, a lot of agreeing on both sides to get this to be okayed. But they finally were able to get in there and, you know, they're trying to assess the situation to see how bad things are. Because we've heard a lot of reports a lot of information has come out, but like, you know, we need to verify it. We need to know how bad this is, what's going on, who's doing what. So right now, the situation as it stands is it's Russian occupied, but operated by Ukrainians. That's very tricky, sticky wicket that everyone's in. And now we have, you know, this watchdog team in here. And now this is only supposed to be a visit. This isn't supposed to be a permanent stay of anything of the sort. But the team is noting, like, hey, there are definitely things that are going on here that are really crazy. We want to get into as many of the details and figure things out as we can to, like, fully assess the situation properly. Also, um, I guess I should get into, like, I guess the title of this part of it. But uh, Ukraine's nuclear plant is partially offline. Also, I'm pulling this off of a timeline for this part of this Al Jazeera article. It's kind of like, hey, what's going on in Ukraine today? Or, like, what have you? And it's, like, hour to hour, like, ticker almost ticker style so what is it the i guess the name of uh the agency because it does have a name because it's iaea but the international atomic energy agency director uh general rafael grossi said in a statement that the agency's experts who remained in zaporizhia after arriving for an inspection on thursday were told by ukrainian staff that the fourth and last operational line was down. Three others were lost during um, earlier conflict. So that's not good. And I mean, essentially, like, oh, well, power out is bad. Hopefully they can just fix it. Uh, it can be a lot more complicated than that, especially when you have an active war zone. So that's like the biggest issue. Uh, there's a lot of he said, she said, this party, that party, saying who's doing what, who's firing what yada 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 but essentially if you don't get this power on you're going to have a meltdown of sorts these kind of things can happen and a nuclear meltdown is going to just be bad for the whole european area like it's going to be bad for obviously ukraine right there but i mean it's it would be a chernobyl like situation and i mean if you're not hip to that i would definitely say hey look that up it's very crazy um just nasty business nuclear power is a very useful powerful thing but you know if there's ever a mistake if there's ever a problem an unmitigated disaster or you know an accident whatever it's it's disaster it's 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 chaos bad not good and it doesn't just like go away you can't just like snap your fingers get a cleanup crew and like yeah we fixed it everything's fine like no so that was the first part of like the Ukrainian situation that I wanted to talk about. And then also, uh, Al Jazeera covers a whole gambit of stuff. But the big thing that they cover in this article 
um, I guess the title of it, uh, Fog of War, Ukraine's Counteroffensive Against Russian Forces. So both sides are kind of saying like, hey, um, things are going well, things are progressing as planned. Now, the plan more or less for Ukraine is to say, hey, we are going to push and try to take like some Russian areas that are, you know, Southern occupied. And we're going to try to, you know, do something to kind of push the Russians back. And I believe Kherson is like a big city in the southern region that they're trying to push for. It was like one of the first that was like captured. So it's a big deal that they're trying to make it happen. The question is, will it be successful? And so far, it's kind of seeming like maybe, maybe not. It's, it's definitely murky. It's definitely remains to be seen how effective they can be. But I guess hopefully the goal is to push them further south or further to a point where like they're more in range of artillery and then you're kind of hitting them from more sides. And then eventually maybe you can get them to fully back out of the area from what I've been kind of gathering here. Um, let's see. Also, this article covers the Gazprom situation. A little bit of an update that's kind of happened there. Essentially, Gazprom is kind of playing with Germany and saying like, hey, like we're working on Nord Stream 1, which is like their responsibility. And, you know, it runs uh, gas and, and st- it runs gas through Germany and like that is all distributed. So essentially they're saying, hey, it's going to take three days and then we'll be back online uh, we'll see. And then now, like, three days have passed, and they're like, eh, we're still having issues. Sorry. Sorry about it. It's our bad. Whoopsie. And I think they even have gone as far to say is, like, it, it is kind of sanction-related why it's not working, which is just, it just seems like more and more on its face the more they kind of just come out and say more. Um, but I think Germany and also other European countries that are relying on this uh, gas energy they are doing what they can to prepare. I think it's like, I want to say for at least France, and maybe I'm wrong here. I'm kind of grasping this from the ether a little bit in my brain from what I've heard, uh, like from BBC, stuff like that. I think France is like 80% capacity. So essentially they're like storing that up and going to use that during the winter. And that's supposed to be helping them out. And then also there are, you know, countries are reaching for other alternatives, you know, as fast as they can. So those are like two big things that I wanted to kind of talk about from this article. Let's see here. Yeah, I think that about does it. Like I said, of course, Al Jazeera is always giving. Um, encourage listeners who are really interested in the details of Gutsy will definitely give it to you for sure. Um, the next article. Now, this is not so much, you know, Russia, Ukraine today. But this was, like, kind of some news, and I haven't really done obits in a while. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just really so trash at them. And a lot of times, unless it's someone I'm really tied to, like, oh, that's a person who I really looked at and was like, oh, my gosh, this is I don't really like to cover it. But this is kind of just big in terms of milestones, historical. Definitely just was a big splash on, you know, current event stuff. So I wanted to talk about it. Uh, comes from Yahoo News and Reuters. Uh, last Soviet leader... Gorbachev, Mikhail Gorbachev, who ended Cold War and won Nobel Peace Prize, dies at age 91. So, this is big news. Uh, Gorbachev was, like, the leader, uh, the last Soviet president, if you will, 
of, um, you know, the USSR. And they were definitely in a slump. It was definitely not a winning situation from where they were, but they were a superpower that was competing with the West, that was competing with the U.S. more specifically. You know, we had a whole arms race. We had the Cuban Missile Crisis. We had the space race. And we're just doing all this shit, going toe-to-toe with each other. And, you know, we're in this Cold War. And and things are thick. Everything is tense and scary. You know, the more I learn about that time, it really is very interesting. It's It's definitely a lot. Both sides do a lot. Everyone in between is doing a lot. But... You know, we come to this point where, let's see, I know um, at the age of 54, he was elected, but, you know, the time that he was in, you know, in power, it wasn't like the peak of the Soviet Union. They were definitely struggling, trying to figure out what they can do, how they can make this better, fix the situation, how they can keep competing. And essentially... Gorbachev's plan was to come up with something that was called Glasnost and Perestroika. And Glasnost is essentially openness, like glass, and then Perestroika is restructuring. So essentially doing things that were very radical for this communist, you know, block. It was very, very radical something that the West was very happy to see and and is touted as like, oh my gosh, we never expected this. I know, um, was it Margaret Thatcher? Apparently had a meeting with Mikhail Gorbachev. And after that meeting, she like, I guess, phones Reagan or letters Reagan or some shit. And she's like, we got to work with this guy. He's a guy. He's the guy. And, you know, Reagan's like, all right, let's let's, just, I don't have a Reagan impression. Fuck that guy. But essentially, he's like, yeah, we're going to work with them. We're going to do some stuff and stuff they did. And essentially, you know, with Gorbachev willing to work with the other side, reach across the world, make these kind of decisions, also being more lax, opening up the country itself and allowing them to express themselves, to say what they want to say, to talk uh, about the government, good, bad, otherwise. And they had a lot of negative things to say at the time. So it was just a lot of freedom all at once. And, you know, it's definitely colored a lot of the impression of, you know, how is Gorbachev, you know, hailed. Because these events, as revolutionary radical as they are, they didn't save the USSR. In fact, it kind of just became this open vacuum that they couldn't close. And, you know, Gorbachev's kind of like, well, what do we do? You know, do we keep going? Do we retreat this? You know, what do we do? And then in the midst of this, there are harder line, more conservative Communist Party leaders who are like, yeah, we got to fucking go back. We got to hold this down. We got to hold the line. We're losing this. Because essentially, other countries are now saying, oh, I can express myself, I can talk, I can talk my shit, I can keep it real on the streets. Well, we want to be independent. And that spread. So naturally, you're having a fracturing of this U- the whole USSR, and people are like, no, this is exactly the opposite of what we were supposed to be accomplishing with all this shit. What the hell? But the wheels kind of fall off. They do try to stage a coup against Gorbachev, 
and it doesn't work. It's a mess. But four months after said coup, he resigns. And, you know, the wheels keep twisting, turning, but essentially the USSR is no more, and they've shifted and changed into, and more or less where we are now, where we have Putin. Um, it's a quote-unquote democracy, right? But, like, Putin runs this shit. He's, it's an, you know, he's the autocrat. He's the leader of this shit. So it's it's definitely, and I, I'm doing a very piss-poor <laughs> explanation of this shit and I kind of knew I would but hey I'm doing my best you know if you want to fucking come at me by all means hit me up in my DMs we can talk about it you can fix me if you will you can we can correct this later in post but uh this article does definitely do a good you know description I'm not really like hitting too many points off of it but I just wanted to talk about it for sure also from the picture that I use in the like little thumbnail for the episode if you will it's Gorbachev and his granddaughter eating Pizza Hut pizza. And it's like, okay, whatever, it's Pizza Hut pizza. Pizza Hut's every fucking where. But at the time, Pizza Hut was not in Russia. McDonald's was not in Russia. We've talked about this. This was a very big deal. There was a lot of change. And Gorbachev was part of the reason that that happened. So I'll give you a breakdown of the commercial, but please look it up. I'm sure it's on YouTube, if you will. You can find it. But it's Gorbachev and his granddaughter. They walk in. They walk into the Pizza Hut. And they sit down. And, they, you know, they're getting their pizza or whatever. They're waiting for it. They're about to eat it, whatever. And there's a family across the way. And they see, you know, they see that everyone sees it. They're like, oh, my gosh. Gorbachev's in the house. Oh, my gosh. He's eating a pizza. He's just like us. He's getting us a preem? What? So, um... I think the dad is, like, salty as fuck. He's mad. He's he's malding. He's, like, ready to talk shit and, you know, saying, like, oh, you know, this guy ruined the country, yada, 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 as he's eating his pizza. <laughs> and then the kid pipes up. He's like, but what do you mean? No, like, he's like, you know, the reason we have all these new freedoms and opportunity. And they're beefing and they're arguing and squabbling. And the mom pipes up and she goes, hey, like, you know, whatever you guys want to say like he's the reason right now we're eating pizza hut and then everyone kind of like you know calms down and they're you know they're eating they're looking at their pizza they're thinking about their lives now and everyone's kind of feeling that vibe and then like you just hear this raucous like hail corman <laughs> over this pizza hut pizza and i'm just like that's crazy that's amazing. I love I love advertising of this of that era, like late eighties, early nineties. Mm, just chef's kiss, just so great. And I don't know. I just think it's very interesting. I mean, if you want to talk communism and, and socialism and all this kind of stuff with me, I'm down. I'm here for it. And learning about these kind of people are definitely interesting. Was so Gorbachev. I've you know definitely kind of been learning a little bit today. I listened to. Um, blowback and i learned a lot about khrushchev that i found was very interesting so it's nice learning about these people whether or not you agree disagree with how their ideology is or whatever their system and government whatever fuck it man like this is history i like history i like history a lot um let's see we can move on now i can move to the next thing yes 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 um i wanted to kind of really touch on the situation in pakistan I mentioned it when I was talking about um, Imran Khan and that situation. But honestly, for real, for real, this is way bigger. 
Um, and I, I realize that the more I've seen just more like articles, more updates and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, got this from my Miami Herald. One third of Pakistan is underwater, more than a thousand dead and the rain keeps coming. So, I mean, like, like I said, I've been really kind of trying to learn as I go here, but essentially there's been months of monsoon rains. Excuse me. And, you know, which has led to flooding. And tens of millions of people have just been just wrecked by this. Just so much water. It really is everywhere. Seeing the the landscape of Pakistan, which once again is in the thumbnail, you can just see it's submerged. It's crazy. Um, Let's see. I guess an added thing that has added to this problem, and obviously the the overwhelming, you know, just glaring thing here is that this is a climate change issue. Yes. I mean, you're definitely going to hear me say this a lot whenever I'm going to talk about the environment. I feel like it's important, even though it is a nagging, annoying point. It is something that we need to always remember that along the way, these things could have been prevented, like prevented or at least reduced if we made better choices as a society, as a world, but we don't. We continue to just keep reaping and reaping and reaping and we're and being surprised on what we sow. Uh, but essentially, it's easier for us in the West, you know, where we have a lot more luxuries and comforts. Now, granted, I'm going to get into, you know, another article in the future or in the next um, bump that, you know, definitely it's in our backyard too. It's happening everywhere. We're also going to be losing some some land in the future at some point due to all this fucking shit. But these things could have been prevented, and there's still some stuff that we can do to slow it down, to make it better. But I guess Pakistan has more than seven thousand five hundred glaciers, and it is the most, uh, which is the most like a non-polar region has. So I was like, oh wow, because I was like, is this necessarily like when they started talking about glaciers? I was like, oh, that's weird. Like I didn't think that'd be such a you know, affecting thing, but it does affect things for miles and miles and miles. I mean, there's just a lot about that too, where it's just like, it's such a, it's such a ripple effect of just the heating of the planet everywhere makes everything rise, like with the water. So it's just crazy to know that one third of a country is submerged right now. Like that's, that's wild. Um, there's some more stats I wanted to hit. Uh, floods have killed 1,136 people and injured at least 1,634 people since June 14th. Uh, more than three or more than 33 million Pakistanis have been affected. So far this year, Pakistan has received about 15 inches of rainfall compared with the historic year to date average of about five inches. Flood-damaged infrastructure includes more than 1 million houses either partially or fully destroyed, over 2,150 miles of road destroyed, 162 bridges gone, and over 700,000 livestock lost. Also included among the dead are 348 children by the severe rains and flooding, and that's reported by CNN. So, I mean, it's just dark. It's heavy. It's heavy rain, for real. And, um, yeah, and, and like I said, it sucks because this is happening in Pakistan. 
But then, like I mentioned, it's also happening here in the States. So, you know, we're going to move on to that. There's definitely more, I'm sure, to get into. But, you know, I was wanted to kind of highlight it. But let's see. The title from this, got this from USA Today. Uh, Mississippi pump failure leaves 150,000 um, people without safe drinking water. Biden approves emergency declaration. So... Essentially, once again, a lot of flooding hitting an area. This is also a poor, you know, area. There are people who they just cannot up and leave. It's not so easy. That's also something, too, that I didn't really mention in the Pakistan thing. There are people who, like, they knew how bad the situation was getting. But it's like, where do you go? What do you do? You do not have money. You do not have means. I know that that's such a, like, a privileged thought that you can just escape it. You can just walk away from this problem. And it's like, no, you literally can't. A lot of people really can't. And you try to do this, and the next thing you know, well, what do I do? Where do I go? And the, and the answer is you don't go anywhere. But essentially, excessive rainfall hit Jackson, Mississippi. It's been going, you know, throughout August. And, you know, here we are, just tons and tons, of, like, just so much water. And... They've had a situation with their water pump that has left them unable to filter and process this water. And a lot of the water has overrun from like the sewers and stuff like that. So essentially we're talking about brown water and people's like, um, like in their, their sinks and their showers, like there's no clean water. You cannot get it. It's not there. And you can't shower. You can't. You can't do any of the basic normal things that you're supposed to be able to do as a human. You can't flush your toilet. You, you can't do anything. So the situation is going on. We're, we're literally in September now. And people are doing what they can to, like, you know, drive up and get water. Like, bottled water. And also non-drinking water so that you can shower. You can use your bathroom, you know, at least to a certain extent. And just the normal human basic necessities that we're all supposed to have as Americans. And the reason we pay our utilities and whatnot. So this has been a really just sad, tragic situation. Like I said, it's definitely affecting a lot of poor black people. It's it's fucking shitty. It's fucking bad. And, you know, we've had a situation in Kentucky where, you know, you have people who are, once again, impoverished poor people. And what are they going to do? What can they do? And this just keeps happening. And sadly, it's going to keep on happening. There's nothing that we can really fucking do about that except try to hunker down and rally when it does and now you know joe biden has um issued uh you know fema and you know getting out rolling out all this stuff like the national guard has also been out there handing out the water things of that nature but i mean honestly no it's not enough and not to mention too that this is a bit of a pissing contest between the governor and the mayor now um let's see if i can pull the names up real quick um, let's see, Mayor Chakwi Antar Lumba, and then um, the Governor Tate Reeves. Now, I do believe Lumba, I'm getting that name wrong, sorry, but he seems to be saying, hey, like, we, we need this, we need X, we need Y, we gotta get these things going, and then it's just a lot of static, because he's a Democrat, you know, he's a Democratic mayor, but then you have a Republican governor and, you know, really hashing out this stuff. has been le- like leading to a lot of conflict, but not a lot of, but not a lot of answers, not a lot of actual, you know, production. 
And, you know, that leaves people in this vacuum waiting for a crisis to happen. And then this crisis happens. And something that, like, there's been projects that they could have done that have been in the works, at least been in talks, and were never executed, never fulfilled. And hopefully this is a, you know, a strong, glaring example of why you guys got to come together. But it's crazy that, like, what is it, the governor is having a press conference and he won't invite the Democratic mayor to it, even though it's his city. Like, like come on. Like, that's crazy. Like, and, and it's petty shit. And there are people who are whose lives are on the line because of it. So it's unacceptable to me, for sure, for sure. Um, I got one more thing. We're actually going to keep it in Mississippi. And um, we're going to take it to the skies, though. But I got to go. I got to hit it, too. So I'm, let's take this for a little quick break, and we'll be right back. Oh, boy. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, my. All right, we're back. I think we're back. But I'm sky high. <laughs> In the clouds, baby. I uh, got this from Yahoo News slash uh, NBC News. Uh, pilot faces criminal charges after threatening to intentionally crash into Mississippi Walmart. So, this was a boondog love of story that I heard, I believe, this morning. Yes, yes. So, Corey, Corey Wayne Patterson, he took to the skies, I think around 5.30. Yeah. So, he's he hit the scene. He's flying around. And he's not, like, a licensed pilot of anything like this. And he took a twin-engine Beechcraft King Air 90. I don't know what the fuck that is, but I'm sure you can look it up and see exactly what it is. But, like, you know, just a personal pilot plane type of thing. And I believe he, like, worked on the, like, um, what's it called? Uh, shoot. But essentially, like, the air base, the, the air area. But he, like, snuck on, got into the plane, took off. So he's flying around. And he calls and he's saying like, hey, I'm going to crash this plane into this Walmart. And, you know, he does it through like 911. And I guess, uh, what is it? Tulipo, Tupelo. Tupelo is a city. And the police chief, John Quaker, you know, informed the people on, you know, today what happened. So, uh, essentially, they evacuated everyone. Sorry, this is a crazy thing, right? Like, a man steals a plane. His next move is to fly around the Walmart and um, tell them, like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is my plan, okay? And it's like, what the fuck? But, so, Walmart was evacuated. uh, Stores closed. So, no one was hurt, at least in that regard. Then they're negotiating with him to, like, you know, land this thing. And I guess he, like, didn't quite know. And so he needed some help. And they got a licensed pilot on the line or whatever to help him out. But as he's going to land, he doesn't land. And he flies out. Like, so he flies out in a northwest direction from Tupelo. And it's toward Union. Uh, Union, Tippa, and Binti County. 
So he just flies out in a, just a northwestern direction. And then around 9.30, uh, he posts a Facebook message. And this is according to Quaker. Um, and in essence, it said goodbye. So essentially, he was just writing a goodbye note. Um, the police also think that Patterson might have been running low on fuel. But negotiators were able to get a hold of Peterson or Patterson. Sorry, I've been saying his name wrong the whole time. My bad. They'd be able to get a hold. They were able to get a hold of Patterson, and they were able to get him to land the aircraft um, in a field in Tippa County, so just outside of Benton. I don't know. Maybe I got some like Mississippi heads out there, and they're like, "Yeah, dude, yeah, I know that place." <laughs> probably not. That's probably not going to happen ever. But hey, just I hope they know I'm doing my best. So, I mean, damn. Um, also, Tate Reeves is also making an appearance in this article. But um, let's see. He has a quote. Thank you, uh, most of all, to local, state, and federal law enforcement who manage this situation with extreme professionalism. Uh, yeah, thanks for not murdering anybody. <laughs> but, yeah, man. Some wild shits. Um yeah, he fueled the plane Friday night, and he took out uh, before Control Towers uh, employees arrived at 6 a.m. So, yeah, he was a lineman at an airport. Huh. Oh, and then I guess the last part, put a bow on this. Uh, he's been charged by Tupelo police with grand larceny and making terroristic threats. Um, so that's going to be happening. Oh, and then also federal charges could be filed against Patterson. So, you know, maybe that'll hit the, the news pike and we'll we'll talk about it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <sighs> but we made it. That's the end of the episode. Uh, thank you for sticking uh, through it. Um, bearing with me. Honestly, I will tell you, that is my, my favorite part is knowing that there are people out there who do that. But moving into the shill mode, if you will, it is that time. I, um, I'm unapologetic, but uh, I guess, you know, sorry, not sorry. Okay, uh, so sorry. Update. I um, made a mistake at the end of the podcast on the shout out. So I'm going to try to get it right here now that I've gone through it. So bear with me. I'm so sorry, guys. Okay, uh, for the Patreon, we've got a new one, but we'll, we'll start from the top. I know it's only two, but hey, that's multiple, baby. We're growing. We're growing. We're getting more newsies. So Stephanie Renee. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Then we got Denver McIntosh. I am so sorry for any errors and stuff you may hear on the YouTube version of this, if you will. But thank you so much. You're the best. I love you. And hopefully I see you all soon for some more good news. And I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.